You're listening to Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is Season Zero, the Foundational Level Episode. My name is Russ Shaw. Welcome in to Episode Number Three. Start a riot, indeed. Uh, season five of the podcast is going to... Got a little announcement for you. You ready? Buckle up. It's going to shake things up. Okay. Episode five of the ASI podcast is going to kick off with a live listener event in Seattle. Details here in the future. But uh just wanted to make you guys aware of that. I'm excited about this uh kickoff is going to be in the gritty city of Seattle, in the downtown kind of area, Capitol Hill. It's a birthplace of ideas and styles that come from our cities. Uh, Tim Keller did a great talk on how the city is where, you know, everything flows downhill culturally from the city. The schools, journalism, uh, the arts, right? It's all, it's in the hub, the city. And this city, you talk about music, you talk about the influence of art on culture and business. You know, Amazon.com is just a few miles away. The main hub of operation is just a few miles away from where Seth and I will be doing this talk. So, yes, it's the kickoff of the ASI 10-year-old now podcast. And I really have to thank Seth Taylor, uh, the author of Feels Like Redemption. He was a guest uh, a few episodes ago. We're going to have a conversation with him. We're both going to do a couple of talks. There will be a Q&A, and we're trying to set up a live webcast of this event as well. And I really have to thank Seth Taylor. We've sparked up a friendship after that interview, and he's the one that's uh, the magic behind making this whole thing happen. It wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for him. So, again, big thanks to Seth Taylor. So, yeah, if you can make it to Seattle for Friday the 13th in May 2016, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be talking about some emails that came in about his book, the controversy that surrounds his book, some of the theology, some of the science, and some of the ripple effect of what books like Seth's and podcasts like this one are doing in the world. We're also going to be talking about the future of ASI and our sexual future. And Seattle is one of these artsy places, has a lot of influence in culture and uh, I'm just honored to be able to to speak to that crowd on Capitol Hill. As you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, yes, I am a Christ follower. I, I'm a Jesus guy, um, but I don't preach to the choir, all right? This isn't a church show, you know? Uh, I, I really do have a conviction and a passion 
uh, talking about sexual integrity, right? What that means, you know, the, the pin on the map of your relational sexual life as a sexual being on this planet, all right? What are sexual ethics? These are things that I talk about on this podcast. Theology, uh, whatever it is, the, the psychology of why we do the things we do. Um, it's a little more than just procreation, right? So again, Friday the 13th, May, is the date that we've got uh, we've got hammered down. So Yes, that's going to be uh, more information on that later. As for today on the podcast, can we really rise above the nasty brown spot in the grass? Rise! Get yourselves together! Rise! Stand up and live your life! Rise! Get yourselves together! Rise! Yes, that's the new one by 6 a.m. couple of disclaimers. Number one, ASI is a listener-supported podcast. I am not a psychologist, a therapist, a pastor, priest, or head shrinker. This podcast is marked explicit for a reason. It is a show about sexual addiction, right? Sexual compulsion. It is going to have some adult language in it, of course. Explicit lyrics, all right? I'm a guy who plays hard rock music and talks about the habits that we get into with our genitals. So as a realistic optimist and a professional non-professional, my sense of humor... Listen, I may be offensive to some of you, but man, I'm glad you're listening. And stick with me, all right? I've got emails from pastors, soccer moms, girls going to proms, straight trans, bi, more than one Catholic guy. I've talked to old men, young men, an egg-laying hen. All right, I'm just trying to rhyme now, but seriously. Um, Even a rabbi in Israel. My point is, even with my rough-around-the-edges, unprofessional persona, and over time, they've really, some of them have actually shared with me they're glad they didn't quit on me because they actually did get some, I don't want to say good advice, but maybe as a listener, hanging around someone like myself, was able to really give them some, some, some real life stuff from this here podcast. But again, to reiterate, I'm not a professional and this show is not meant to be a substitute for any professional psychological help. But that does not mean I'm shy when it comes to talking about my own life story. I remember the brown spot. You still get them, right? And no, guys, I'm not talking about your laundry, all right? What do I mean? It's an analogy I used early in the show. If you've ever been on a field, for example, playing soccer, football, maybe in your own lawn, you, you pull up a like a nasty prickly weed right? You yank it out of the ground and and there's this brown spot, you know, you know, there's lush grass around it and brown spot right there. Just annoying, 
had me thinking about overcoming, you know, our sexual bad habits, right? Like once you've gone 90 days without pornography or PMOing, right? PMO stands for pornography, masturbation, orgasm. It's a neurological, crazy, addictive, bad habit. The 90-day mark is a pretty good one to reach. Does it mean you're going to be clean for the rest of your life? No. But it does break that neurological habit down quite a bit when you can get to the 90-day mark. And listen, I'm not just talking about some date on a calendar, all right? I bring that up because there's scientific stuff behind that. So we chase this date, right? But what if it's not about the date? What if you have a different relationship with your body? Does that make sense? It's like these season-changing metaphors, you know? There's been a lot of talk about deconstruct and reconstruct, but what about the emotional component to this weed-pulling, organic thing that's going on in our own bodies? And listen, this is also the deconstruct when it comes to bad religion as well, or in a relationship with your girlfriend or your, your wife or your husband, all right? This is that deconstruct, and what is can organically fill that brown spot, all right? We're going to talk about that. Stand up to the devil, slowly rise and clear your throat now. You can call for their demise. Speak out, don't let the status quo define you. This is your world, just things I wanted to uh, kick off, talk about. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. Um, I am looking for co-producers to this podcast, and not just donors, right? You can donate to the show. I would really appreciate it. Um, and man, I'll be honest. I need your help, right? Like I am burning hours driving my car around uh, with this whole Uber and Lyft thing, and it it's just, it's a time suck. So in order for me to do more of getting in front of the mic and actually uh, continuing the ripple effect that is this podcast, uh, I, I'm asking for your help as a, as a co-producer. And I also want to, to mention you, and I, I want to, not like you sponsor, this show is made possible by, right? Um, but it is sort of a sponsor thing. I mean, it's... It, not that you're, you know, you're selling a product and you have some product to sell, but that you, I would say something about you. Um, I heard a guy talk about the definition of the word. As you know, I'm a bit of a wordsmith, right? The definition of the word remarkable. Um, remarkable is simply that which you remark about, right? And listen, I really felt convicted to start changing some of the language around what it means to financially support this podcast because this isn't a church all right uh, i ain't your pastor all right this is this is a podcast and here's another point i want to make and maybe a bit controversial but this is not a nonprofit 
I looked at nonprofit status. Um, you know, there's so much corruption in nonprofit organizations. What I've decided to do is start a social impact company, but I want to be above board with how the money is spent. But I'm not going to take this as a tax-deductible thing. I know that that may sound backwards to some people in, quote, ministry. But to be honest with you, um, I, I see it having more integrity. Because honestly, people that get a tax deduction uh, to give to some of these organizations... It just it bothers me. All right, there's a bit of social justice rising up in me as I change some of the language around ASI to a social impact uh, company, for profit company. Yeah, nonprofit man. The people that work in nonprofits they get paid. They pay their bills. Um, some of the officers and owners of some of these nonprofits make as individuals millions of dollars a year. All right. Some of these organizations have lavish events where they book really fancy hotels and spend, you know, bottles of Patron or Cristal. And, you know, hard earned blue collar people are given their money to, like, the Wounded Warriors Project, for example, or right here in Seattle, Mars Hill Church. Pastor Mark was in the news being brought up on RICO racketeering charges for the fact that he didn't spend the money the way he said he was. Um, the guy made $400,000 a year as a pastor. This And listen, I don't have a problem with rich people. There are wealthy people in this country that deserve to be wealthy. But am I saying there's something wrong with that? Well, if you're a nonprofit... Maybe we should change that language, and I'm going to use myself as an example. Um, I, again, I don't make uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I, I drive an Uber, all right? Not that there's anything wrong with that either, but I've never seen myself as any kind of big shot or anybody that could really make this kind of an impact that this podcast actually does make. It's been around for 10 years now. It has a pretty good following. And while I'm pretty comfortable just being this blue-collar guy, uh, and I'll still be, I'll always be at heart, right? But pursuing this thing, um, it has grown to be bigger than I am, which is really what I wanted, right? It's an act of worship to my creator, this thing in a certain sense you know, but there's this line that C.S. Lewis uh, had. He said that, uh, he said, you know, God moves into our heart and we kind of expect that he's going to change the gutters and maybe a fresh coat of paint, right? But he brings in an excavator and starts tearing down walls. So as this thing grows, uh, I'm hoping that maybe some of you would partner with me. An old, uh, driver, a guy that drives pizza selling cyber taxi driving um, disaster of a human being slowly being rebuilt that I am so as far as ASI is concerned I'm excited about how we can put this thing out into the world as it impacts hearts and minds and grows 
as it is. I'm not going to ask for donations anymore, all right? This is going to be a little different going into season five. Um, I'm really, my heart is to have co-producers. And listen, I ain't looking for your gift even, all right? I'll even say that. I'm looking for co-producers, people that want to step into this ripple effect with me, help produce this podcast. I don't take that lightly. And I want to start mentioning you in the podcast as like co-producers because you really are like a producer of a record right a recording that's what we're kind of getting into in the 21st century here right because this is a free podcast i don't sell the podcast but it does cost money to produce so i want to hey you know bob from michigan thanks for producing the season zero music part of the page because I don't have a music page up right now. I just haven't had time to put up the music page for the bumper music. A lot of listeners really like that. Uh, so I'm looking for a producer to put in a couple bucks a month to keep that going, the music part of the website. So I'm going to stop talking about money, all right? But you get it. Uh, um, there's a little video on the page if you click on uh, to you go to the asi247.org click on coke producers and you can see a little video by me where i talk about um, what it all, what it takes what what you know to be a co-producer um, $3 a month right is great you know $25 a month awesome i mean equally awesome right it's just Getting the time to do this podcast has is, is been, uh, again, I, I'm asking for your help, all right? Will you help produce the ASI podcast? So, yes, and as a matter of fact, the next episode will be co-produced by one of you listeners. So, look forward to that on the next Zed as we continue these next few months in season zero whatever that means all right but yeah matt i'm looking forward to it somebody out there listening right now is going oh joy how can i get my name on the sex addict podcast show (laughs) right listen you don't have to use your real name okay on the survey page i ask people to make up a handle or a clever kind of nickname Uh, for the survey because I want you to be anonymous. If you want to be anonymous, you can do that with a funny or clever or mildly offensive (laughs) handle. Uh, We like to have fun on this podcast. I'm less intense than I was in the beginning, and sometimes some comedy and humor can bring some lightness to what's heavy, right? Some acceptance for the, the junk inside like my own weird insecurity about asking for help on this podcast, right? So, asi247.org, be a producer. You're the next show where literally have your name on it. And the website as well. The website needs work. If you've seen it, you know, asi247.org. I'll still, you know, I think I'll leave the classic part up there, like (laughs) have a link somewhere in there to the classic ASI website because there is a lot of resources there, but I the, it needs it's horribly outdated. So I'm going to stop talking about money now. All right, and <clears throat> that's the 
Yeah, it's the necessities of doing this kind of a production. Anyway, how are you doing? No, seriously. It's uh, russ at asi247.org. I wouldn't mind reading your email on the podcast if that's okay with you. But if you just want to chat, send me a drop me a line. I, I do love to hear from listeners. Uh, the survey page. There's a survey page, asi247.org, where I ask you the listener nine questions that most will never ask. So... It's kind of a cross between Breaking Bad and Post Secret is what the ASI survey page is. So check that out, uh, ASI247.org as well. Hey, here's something. I'm now an iPhone guy. (laughs) I have an iPhone, and I, I know I'm in the technology business sort of, right? I'd sit and I'd look at a screen all day, but I also get to look at the road. So <laughs> I, I do business on a smart, the, the iPhone, it works better, man, with Uber and Lyft. I also got a really good deal on it. I was able to, uh, my son's girlfriend, her grandparents needed like plumbing work done in their bathroom. And and, and I, I was able to do that and she gave me the phone. So it's great. It's a, a 6S, which uh, I couldn't afford <laughs> without, some, without some plumbing work uh, on the side, right? You know that nozzle that switches from tub to shower? Yeah, that's what broke. So I replaced the guts and the innards to that. And it was my first time doing it. And I, I did a pretty good job, I think. So it still works. And that's how I got an iPhone. Long story short. But man, the podcasts on the iPhone are so much better than the Android. Um, I, You know, Stitcher Radio, I love you. Tune in. You're, you're okay. But, man, iTunes podcasting, they, they started it, and they are the king. Uh, I love the, the app for, for listening to podcasts. It's awesome. Switching gears here, uh, Mike Wilkerson was on the last podcast. If you haven't heard that one, Mike was the uh, biblical living pastor at Mars Hill Church. Um, he runs uh, redemption groups. Uh, it's a Christ-centered. It's a book he wrote, and he he does groups based on that. And I went through Redemption Group when I was at Mars Hill. Uh, I also went through Grace Groups, and I was involved in somewhat in the recovery there. Not as a leader, mostly as a consumer, but uh, you know, I was there in some of these in some of the groups. Um, I talked about Reconnect on the podcast. Reconnect was a Facebook group. That started uh, when Mars Hill Church in Seattle started to crumble apart. And there was people looking to reconnect. That's why Reconnect got started. Mike went on there to, you know, talk about redemption groups, talk about some of the uh, abuses that happened in redemption groups at Mars Hill Church because of some of the strange, you know, cultural things going on. And there was a woman in that group right and i was i was glad mike was there i thought it was awesome that's another reason i had him on the podcast because this guy is like all right you know should i even be doing this right should redemption groups even continue and just wanted to hear from people there was a woman in that group who i don't know if she was a psychology student or what but we would get in these uh, she would say you know 
kind of like, oh, you moron Christians, now you can go to a psychologist and get real help. And, and I was I was offended by that. It triggered me, I'll be honest. <laughs> so I said, listen, not all the psychologists out there are that great either, right? There's the Psychology has its issues. Uh, um, that's why I encourage you guys, if you're going to see a psychologist, you're going to pay for a therapist, make sure you get one that's helping you, all right? This is a business type of a situation. You're paying this person or your insurance company is or Obama is, right? And and there's your, right? So you hear what I'm saying. But I will say this. She did challenge me to get help from a professional. And I did seek out that help. And, and, and I be, I've seen psychologists before in the past, in my adolescence. Um, when insurance changed and I was able to get psychiatric help with my insurance, I started seeing a counselor about my ADHD. Um, I'd read some articles on how talk therapy can help with folks who suffer with ADHD, and I'm adult ADHD. I, I was diagnosed um, back in 07, 06. I think it was 06 when I started doing the podcast. Uh, I took meds for a little while, but I didn't like the way they felt, right? Like, I'm an ex-drug addict. I'm an ex-meth um, head, and I, I freebased cocaine. So being on Adderall was a very familiar feeling to me, more familiar than I was comfortable with. Um, I was on it for a while. It did help me collect my thoughts some. I was a little more focused, but the side effects and, you know, the fact that I could use it to numb myself, right? I want to grow emotionally and spiritually, and that's just for me. Again, I'm just te- I'm I'm not telling you what to do here. I'm just telling you my story as far as meds are concerned. Meds can help us through seasons of life, but as many psychologists will tell you, that there's a very slim, small percentage of people out there that should be on meds for the rest of their life, and that's where therapy can help. So I read these articles about how adults with ADHD were getting help through talk therapy, being able to talk out. Uh, what they're going through. Um, so I took up this woman, you know, even though we had this sort of dialogue, I think maybe the moderator might have even taken her words off of the Reconnect site because she was, you know, kind of offensive to a lot of Christians. Uh, I don't know if she was a Christian herself, but she was obviously like a psych student or something like that. So I uh, I started meeting with a therapist. Her name is Diane. I've been seeing her for a year now. And, you know, it, it's really been helping me quite a bit. And she's also a spiritual person, right? She's not an atheist. She doesn't poo-poo me for my faith, which is a big one. Because I don't know if I could handle being with a therapist like that. Because, honestly, my faith is a huge part of my life, and it does affect my well-being. Um my, I, I don't have a logical explanation for why I'm sober today, right? I, I, it's, again, my relationship with Jesus Christ is, is center. Um, my being in Christ as a person gives me peace that I, I can't really describe. But as far as working out some of my 
you know, my anxieties, my depression, high-speed depression, right? So ADHD is, uh, for a lot of us, anyway, it has been incredibly helpful. Uh, I was diagnosed uh, also, you know, the depression is in there. I, I had my medical records and, yeah, I have psychological stuff in my medical records now. Uh, another one I have is uh, post-traumatic stress disorder due to childhood trauma. Um, I didn't like that one, you know, but it's there and I'm, I'm dealing with that too. So I, I, I do want to say that uh, do I endorse redemption groups? That's another, you know, question that I've been asked after even listening to the podcast. Like, if I didn't endorse, if I, sorry, let me start over. If I didn't endorse redemption groups, I wouldn't have had Mike Wilkerson on the podcast. Um, not to be rude or anything, but you know, there was still some. I guess the the person asked me the question. Maybe, uh, you know, so okay, Russ, where are you at? Right, and hopefully, I can unpack some of that for you. I I don't endorse anybody. I think that you should walk out your faith and your relationship with God in a way that impacts other people. And if you can find other warriors to walk with, not even warriors, just friends, just people, just other souls, fellow sojourners, fellow travelers, that's the sweet spot, all right? That's where you see change in your life. And if that's in an SA group, that's great. I There's certain things I have issues with with SA, right? You've heard me talk about some of the 12-step, my issues. Um, but there are fellow sojourners in that group that can uh, impact your life in ways that would blow your mind. I mean, you, you folks who have never been to a group kind of therapy situation, uh it, it is if it's the right group again if it's not ran by some bully it can change your life you start to feel these things flowing out of you like you have this energy and again it's trapped in your body this is something else I've learned through therapy and through study because I'm a geek when it comes to psychology these these rhythms that uh, of our our bodies and, and their effect on our minds is amazing. So, as we, our bodies and our energies enter into these spaces and we start to talk about our fears, our struggles, our past traumas, it is it is so healing, man. And that's really where I don't think the groups are healthy is when they are ran by a bully. And that's where you have to stand up and leave the group or call out the bully. Um, Mars Hill was ran by bullies. All right, That's why it doesn't exist anymore. So that's, that's where I'm at, all right? Yes, seek out a group. Is it, does it have to be a redemption group? No. What about, you know, 12-step? It's great, man. Uh, go to an AA group, even if you're a sex addict. I had Nate Larkin on the show. He wrote a book called Samson and the Pirate Monks. When Nate started going to recovery 
before his sex addiction, he went to AA groups and he started seeing some real healing and started to see the spirit move in the basement of the church, right? Where the sanctuary he felt was kind of dead, but the basement where this AA group was and people are sharing their souls. Just amazing, right? So, yeah, man, if you're not in a city where there's, you know, you can pick and choose, there's AA groups everywhere. And most of them aren't ran by bullies, all right? But some are, so you have to be discerning. Again, ASI247.org. Email me, right? You got my Twitter. You got everything on there. I'd love to hear from you if you're experiencing a bully in a group or something like that. Use me as a resource, all right? I wouldn't mind even doing a show about it if there's a situation that you're involved in that, you know, you, you suspect the person running the group's a bully. Those folks need to be called out. They need to uh, they need to see where they need relational tools to go along with the all the smart stuff they know. Or just because the fact that their story worked out that way, they need to learn some empathy. It's loving someone in relationship who you know is hurting people. Because it's like a heart surgeon, man. These people are moving into places. People are sharing parts of themselves. And it's just super vulnerable. And bullies should not be a part of that at all. And that's where, you know, this woman in the reconnect group would shout well there needs to be professionals well guess what there's not enough professionals to go around there's not enough psychotherapists to sit in every aa group right it's just it's simple but it can be hard when the heart is broken and when people are burning out so yeah i wouldn't mind doing a podcast on like emotional literacy right like you can be the smartest person in the world and still be mean You can beat people up with truth, for example. Sometimes it takes one person with enough courage to get into conflict with a emotional, powerful leader in some of these group situations, right? And if the guy's worth his salt, he'll appreciate you for it, right? Because sometimes we just don't have enough courage. It's kind of like when you have a friend or an acquaintance with like a smudge on their face and they're walking around with some ketchup running down their lip, right? And and if it's your close friend, you're going to tell them about it. But if it's that guy at work that, you know, you don't like that much, you might not say anything, <laughs> right? But it does. Sometimes it, all it takes is to say, hey, you got something on right here, you know, emotionally. It's like grabbing a mirror and holding it up to their face. Anyway, uh, we're going to read this email and talk about the brown spot, right? Because that's also part of this um, conversation about groups and redemption groups and Mars Hill Church. A lot of the folks that left Mars Hill Church, and me included, again, it's another weed that got yanked out. The church no longer exists. People are asking questions and doubting, and and, and that's that's life, man. It's uh, it's being honest enough with yourself to ask or just see what's going to grow black in that place where that thing got ripped out, you know? 
Jesus tells the story in Matthew 12 about the guy that's got a demon in his house and he clears out the house. No demons, but the house is empty. There's nothing growing in the brown spot. So seven more demons move into that spot and fill it, right? Pull up one weed, what do you put back there, right? It's, it's weird analogy, but there's something to our well-being when something we're familiar with, something we're comfortable with, something that's been with us for so long is removed, uprooted, no longer exists in that space. And listen, it doesn't have to be as intense as demons, right? Sometimes, you know, I was thinking when I go on a date with my wife, having like a technology-free date night, bringing my iPhone with me, there seems to be this, you know, it's buzzing, it's popping, it's, it's almost crying for my attention, right? If I just leave my iPhone at home, what would grow in that space between us on a, a time or night when we're spending time together as a couple, you know, on a date night? Smartphoneless, right? It's another brown spot, isn't it? So here's the email. This is from Mr. C. We'll call him as he is anonymous. Um, he says, I'm just finishing episode 49 from uh, 9-2807. After listening to a few of your 2016 episodes, I decided to go back to the very beginning and start over. You may address my issue later on, but I felt like I needed to go ahead and ask. And I'm glad you did, all right? It's, my story is out there. And if there's any gaps that I could fill in, again, russ at asi247.org. My question is, how did you keep from killing yourself while all of this was going on and after your confessions in the so-called time of healing? Question mark. It's still healing, man. I'll say that. This the time of healing. I don't know if it, it, it does it stop. It still continues, right? I mean, it's not as intense as it was. I guess to change the dialogue some, maybe remove the word healing, and I would say we're still finding new things out about ourselves and each other. And you could call that healing, I suppose, but it's growth. Growing pains. Um... Anyway, I'll continue. I now have been 100% sexually free from my addictions for a year now, as of February, March. Yeah, I never did a lot of dates either. Um, some, You know, I talked about the past shows. Like, I think it's important that you know within, I don't know, a few weeks, right? Like my last sexual acting out. Um, with a person, adultery, that date, it's like early October of 2005, late September, somewhere around that area. Like there's weird emotional energy around carrying that date, right? It's sort of burdensome. At least it felt that way. And I know myself enough to know that I could sabotage that because I carry it. 
And I can see why some people set dates. I think that they feel like they need to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm starting my journey now. And that's the good part of it, right? Having a plan for your journey or your pilgrimage, as my friend Seth would say, is better than having no plan at all. So, you know, the stake in the ground of a date, you know, I think it's healthy and it was healthy for me to have a more substantial piece of ground and starting line for my journey than simply a date on a calendar. You know, it's important to remember the season. And I don't think you have to write that down because it'll be etched in your memory, right? It's not something you'll forget, man, when you can put something like that behind you. It's less about behavior, more about your feeling of your relationship with God and walking out this journey. He continues on, um, I was heavily addicted to porn, which eventually led to a three-month affair with one girl, which, as I knew would happen, I was caught one night, January 29th, 2015, after I failed to delete some text messages, which led to me lying about what had happened for the next three months. I thought I was protecting her by not telling her how deep into the affair I really was. So on March 29, 2015, I finally told her the complete truth and rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. During the time before my complete confession, we started to see our pastor for couples counseling, which I was lying to him about also. After my confession, I saw a Christian counselor on my own who decided that I had my life under control and there was nothing for him to do after three months, five sessions with me. What I didn't include earlier is our son was stillborn on January 17th, 2015, which I later find out was my fault because I had caught an infection and passed it to my wife that went straight to our son and killed him within 2.5 days. Oh, man. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, I did send him a, an email later, and I asked him if he's, he's sure that it was the STD that caused the miscarriage, and, and he said, yeah. Um, you know, in the past, people have called me a fear monger, right? This is this is what happened. This is one of the things that happens, man. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but things like this are are so incredibly damaging, and we think that it's not going to happen to us, right? I mean, I led a double life for a long time, and I was in some really risky behavior. Um, I feel you, man. I just big hugs for you, dude. That's a horrible thing to have happen. Big hugs, man. I, I just hugs for you is all I got. Um, as far as the counselor is concerned, I never lied to my counselor. Uh, I told you know my first counselor everything and he it took a while for me to trust him enough to tell him that I was actually 
having affairs, and he told me I should take that to my grave, which wasn't great advice, um, obviously. And as, as far as the counselor that told you you were fine, you know, I, I don't know what that's about. I do know that another part of season five of this podcast is really, uh, I want to see some results. I, you know, I'd like to hear from some clients because there's a lot of whack jobs, especially in faith-based counseling. All right, I said it. Most states here in the United States don't regulate faith-based counseling like they do psychotherapy. Here in my state, you don't even have to have a license as a faith-based counselor. And I'll even go so far as to say that I've had um, I've had a few counselors on the show, uh, Christian counselors, and since then uh, I've had requests to have more on. And I, you know. I'm going to need a letter. I'm not going to take your word for it, right? I'm going to look at your Yelp review, right? If there is one in your state, I'm going to need to either talk to one of your clients or a letter from one of your clients that I can verify that they are actually receiving some help and seeing some freedom. Because I don't believe you. I don't trust you, all right? Because these people, they have no idea the damage they do. And some of their whole systematic way of helping, right? I put that in quotes. It's like their whole approach is just to dump more shame on people. And that's that doesn't help anyone. And it's not even biblical. <laughs> Jesus takes our guilt. Jesus despised the shame, right? I mean, the, the way some people interpret the Bible, it's just... It, it shocks me and it does a lot of damage to hurting souls like myself I remember hearing some Calvinist guy talk about predestination when I was a drug addicted teenager if there's anybody that guy was should have been wanting to reach it would have been me right I walk out of this guy's talk in this church thinking God hates me so after the recovery from the narcotics you know I'm a sex addict for years and after my big confession, when I did tell, you know, my wife had to get tested for hepatitis and AIDS, you know, um, that's real. You look at your wife sitting across a room, I will never forget that image of her sitting there in tears in a hospital gown being tested for STDs because of my behavior, you know, my own broken way of working things out he goes on <clears throat> so back around to my question I have tried and tried to give my guilt to Jesus and no matter what it keeps rearing its head at me and the majority of my awake hours are spent thinking about how I would rather be dead the only reasons I am not are my wife who is also still with me, my two girls, and me not wanting to be a burden on my co-workers since I am behind on my paperwork after just getting caught up on my physical work this month. See, that's part of your heart, dude, you know? Even as a in the depression, even in the gray, you're still thinking of others, you know? So he asks me, what helped you with this topic? 
You have already helped me tremendously, and thank you for that. I made you... I made a deal with the devil about praying any time he puts bad thoughts in my mind, but I don't know how to continue. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank him again for sharing this, letting me read this on the podcast, and I don't take it lightly. You know, this is this is his life, as my friend Paul Young would say. This is his hallowed ground. You know. This is his pain. This is what his co-workers don't know about him. Again, having an ear to hear. It generates a lot of me-toos, which also generate feelings, and, and feelings are okay, you know? Um, the second thing I wanted to say was, he. he I, I know some of you are thinking about it, the kick the devil making a deal with the devil I did a uh, episode called make a deal with the devil and and you know it maybe you're on shock value right I'll get you to listen um, but it, it has to do with understanding grace and I would say if you're in a church that's not conscious of grace there's a big difference between guilt and shame man shame you know gets inside you and says you are bad Guilt is, you know, you simply did something wrong. It's an observation. It's a course correct. But shame, the feeling of shame, it goes to the core of your identity. It's like, I am bad. And that's not healthy. And churches that perpetuate that kind of thinking, um, that's not Christianity Um you know, they might have a cross out front. They may even talk about Jesus, but to shame people, put people to shame. The whole point of the cross, the whole point of God entering into time and space as the sun and walking among us. You know, I, this is this is being conscious of grace. This gospel means good news. There's good news. And I had to learn that I was carrying these heavy, horrible burdens that Jesus already released me from. That I was fighting battles that had already been won. Isaiah, you know, the book of Isaiah, the Psalm 103. God removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. In an immeasurable distance. Um, Isaiah forty-three twenty-five. I am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Listen, because of all my years of abusive religion, I was unconscious to the grace that was provided to me. And sadly, there's a bunch of religious organizations out there that use shame as a way to keep people coming back you know to keep the machine going and it's it's not healthy if you're drawn to the church because you feel shame and that place is gonna you know Nietzsche called religion the opiate of the people and while I don't agree with Nietzsche on a lot of stuff there's some truth to that it's amazing how some of these philosophers just kept arguing against Christianity over and over again. That's what makes it curious, right? It's religion. It's 
bad religion that so many of us have a problem with. I, I have deep faith in Christ, but man, religion, that's, read the story, man. It's, Jesus was killed by the religious elites. People that would tell you it's not okay to see a doctor or a psychiatrist or psychologist. Luke was a physician, all right? He wrote a whole chapter of the Bible. He's a doctor. And when it comes to depression, it's medical, man. It's in your body. A lot of us struggle with depression, man. I did, big time. And it's okay to get help, you know. I don't know what country you're in or what state you're in if you're here in the States. But there is good mental health professionals out there that can help you. And if you need to take medication for a season, there's nothing wrong with that. All right? There's nothing wrong with being on antidepressants for a season while you work through some of this stuff. I mean, part of my reason I was sexually addicted is I didn't know how to grieve. I, I didn't grieve the sad things that happened in my past. And that's where I see how a good therapist was actually able to get underneath not just the addiction, but the depression, the anxiety, the ADHD, the manic part of me that had that brown patch, right? The brown patch for me that I filled with first drugs and alcohol, drinking myself unconscious, um, I tried to fill that brown patch with a lot of stuff. I mean, once I really sat down and read the Bible, read the New Testament for myself and started to relieve some of this dissonance around religion, um, I just... I tried to fill that brown patch with theology and learning more and even doing this podcast, you know. And really there's this emotional hurt that it helped a professional who knew how to reach in there and find those feelings trapped in my body and start to pull some of that out. And she's able to help me see what what I was medicating, you know, and, and help me grieve through my own childhood. That's why I did that show on the the movie Inside Out. And the character sadness in that movie was such an integral part to the story. Because I didn't, I didn't know how to engage my sadness, you know. And that led to depression. Um... It's okay to be sad. Again, you know, that's a thing I said in that podcast about that, that movie, you know, Inside Out, was that depression isn't when sadness takes over. Depression is when the control board's frozen and you have a hard time feeling anything. It's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to mourn that loss, man. It's okay for your wife to be upset and to grieve as well. She's going to be incredibly upset. It is horrible to have a miscarriage, you know. Circumstances or not, this is a horrible event and she's going to hurt. 
and she's going to be sad and angry. And I would seek a professional psychologist, counselor that can help you. Your pastor's great. Maybe you could meet with him too and discuss some of the stuff that you're learning in the therapist's office. But man, if you're going to a church where the pastor doesn't want you to see a, a mental health professional, I would run. I would get out of that place. Or they think that meds are all bad and they can't help anyone. It's it's not healthy. It's bad religion. And I wouldn't wait. I would do it now. Um, two resources for you to pick up the phone right away. If, if any of you listening are struggling with that kind of depression, 1-800-656-HOPE or 4673. There's also 1-800-SUICIDE. It's 1-800-784-2433. These places can put you in touch with a mental health professional, and in some cases for free. All right, there's people that will volunteer their time to talk to you because they care. And even if it costs money, my first counselor was a Christian counselor. It was $70 a session. But it also motivated me to tell this cat the truth, you know, because here I am spending my money. It took some time. It took some trust building. And again, it wasn't the best advice, but it was still was good. But I needed another. I needed another guide. One that knew more. One that uh, understood my story a little deeper. One that could help me untangle some of our codependency as well. See, I was so codependent, I, I stopped realizing where I began and she left off, you know. I had no idea who I was at the beginning of this journey. And it still continues to uh, be a healthy thing for me to know exactly who I am and for her to know who she is. And it's like this separation that's taken place. But it's making us wholer over time, you know? I hope that makes sense. Jesus said, if you really want to live, you need to die, you know? And for some of you, the codependency and the anger and the hatred and the feelings of shame... That's what I did. I was just using survival tactics. I would lie just to get her to tolerate me or love me or sex, you know. Listen, the good news about becoming whole in your relationship is that when something like that happens, when you confess an affair, for example, when you're caught, when the bomb goes off, it's like taking a grenade and blasting your relationship to pieces. And there's parts of that thing that needed to die, okay? The two of you, you get to see something grow out of that brown patch, something beautiful. And, and it's good news that that hole's there. Because what was growing there was a nasty, bitter, prickly weed. And listen, horrible things happen, all right? A miscarriage, for example people getting horrible STDs, but it's not meaningless, all right? 
it's not meaningless. There is meaning to it. And we probably won't have any idea. It doesn't make any sense at all until 10,000 years from now when we're looking back. And that's a faith statement, right? This, the relationship with your spouse, with your girlfriend, guys, it can be so much deeper. And for some of you, it, it may end in divorce, and I've seen that happen. But you can't change another person's mind. And you can't stay in a place where someone continues to emotionally beat you over the head if they don't want to get help. And you may start a new journey as a single person. Um, I know that's scary. But again, my Jesus is bigger than that and has walked me through so much stuff already that I've been able to go to those scary places and I still get nervous about talking about some of my heart and bringing up conversations that I know are going to be difficult. Um, but when we do, it's I'm so surprised that the fear that I had, my envisioning this huge, horrible fight that we would have, and those didn't happen, you know. We actually solved some of the dissonance in our relationship, and the sex after that is really good, too. I'll throw in that in. Um, it's not advice, you know. This is just my story and what I've what I've seen in my own relationship and through doing this podcast, people sharing their stories. Again, if you have a, a story of your breaking down some of that codependency in your relationship and how how that worked for you, good or bad, I'd love to hear from you. Russ at ASI247.org. And if any of you struggling with depression, um, man, I pray that you're you're not listening to some Pharisee pastor tell you that you shouldn't get professional help because that's bullshit. Alright. I'm going to leave you with a verse that I've read a bunch of times has brought some comfort to my soul in, in some of these very dark places. Talk about emotions and feelings. The Psalms are a very emotional feeling filled part of the Bible Psalm thirty four eighteen. the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit you know Matthew 11 come to me all of you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke and learn from me I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is walking in faith. And this is releasing burdens and bad religion. Like uh, Matthew 23, just here, I'll read it to you. It's Matthew 23, uh, verse 4. The scribes and Pharisees tie up heavy loads that are hard to bear. And they place them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not lift a finger to make them any lighter. They do their deeds to be seen by men, for they make their basically gowns and religious garb that they would wear 
wide. They make their tassels long. Um, in some cases, and I'll say rare cases, an egotistical pastor will not encourage you to get help because it makes him look bad. It makes him look like he doesn't have the confidence to do his job. person who wants to help you will will lift a finger. Their hearts will see the burden on you and they will do what they need to do to help you, right? To pass you along to someone who knows more than they do. Uh, Again, I just pray that you're not falling victim to some sick cult-like sadly that's rampant in Christian culture especially here in the States Um, I want to play you a song by a guy named Eric Church this song reminded me of this listener and a prayer for his story and and just looking back at my story thinking of my wife and me moving through my manic depression over the years my wife and I have struggled so hard and can I tell you something it is worth it all right more than you know so listeners to the ASI podcast whether you ever become a co-producer or not Remember this. I do love you guys. I do mean that sincerely. Until next time. From the man who is gonna die young. Bye. I like fast cars and sharp dreams. Chased a lot of crazy things. Left behind my share broken pieces. This morning I turned 36. Just remember half of it You wonder how you outlived Hank or Jesus I put the rage in a river The roll and a thunder But you kept me from going under When that current got too heavy I always thought I'd be a heap of metal And a cloud of smoke for the stuff Junkyard was to that shit. I'm fear I've had none. What the hell made you want a man who's gonna die young?